Hey guys, Bryce here from Flex Cortex. All content on the Flex Cortex podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitution for medical advice from a qualified health professional. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. episode we're going to be talking about pain welcome back to flex cortex we're going to talk about how pain relates to your life in the form of physical mental and social pain but we're going to take a new approach to the concept and see how it actually can make you grow and something you can welcome versus being something you try to avoid one of the first things we're going to talk about today is physical pain we're, we're going to talk about the no pain no gain aspect um, this is one thing that i think should have died and been buried but it's still around for some reason i don't know why kill it kill it with fire for real yeah and he said burn yeah, he needs to burn so <laughs> we're gonna get into a little bit um any kind of stress is good um especially like at the gym stress is good in that sense but you have to keep in mind that your body has to recover so when you're approaching any kind of program, whether you're new or you're more seasoned, um, you have to consider something called the dose-response relationship. Um, you can think about, oh, I I would say like the pancake, the pancake mix. Sure, let's use that okay. one. Let's use that yeah. one. Um, but this time we'll use, let's say, water and the pancake mix itself, or whatever you're going to be using for your pancake mix. When you're trying to whisk the pancake mix with water um, you have to make sure that you're again adding in the mix at a steady pace if you just throw in a bunch of powder it's going to be clumpy it's not going to mix properly and you're going to have this super fluffy and super dry pancake whereas if you actually take your time and are able to whisk properly and get it blended well you can have a good pancake so the whole analogy with that is again making sure that you're actually able to sustain a program and that you're able to adapt to the stress over time and let your body get used to what you're doing versus trying to send it, in a sense. Full send. Yeah. But not. <laughs> Full sends aren't always good. Um, one thing to consider with a new program or if you've been training for some time is DOMS. So DOMS would be like delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, usually what's pretty normal for most people is like, I'd say 24 to 48 hours, so a day to two days probably. And then if you're feeling anything more than that, uh, if it's like three days on, um, you may be susceptible to something called rhabdomyolysis, which is the destruction of striated muscle cells. Um, there's been a few cases where it's happened with individuals that were very new to training, but thought it was a great idea to jump into a class, a boot camp, and push it really crazy, go uh, send in a way, and... They ended up in the hospital um, seeking attention for rhabdomyolysis. So um, it's a very uncommon though, but the whole point of it is to take your time. There's no rush. Um, just try to progress with it over time and make sure that it's sustainable for you. That's probably the biggest thing I could say from that. And to like just give for anyone interested the quick medical breakdown of that, Essentially, you overstress your muscle and you cause it to break down to a point where it actually starts releasing too many waste products. And those waste products can actually cause uh, kidney issues and other organ failure. So it's a very, very serious uh, thing to take. Uh, so don't overdo it. Just don't don't like try and mask it with any kind of drugs or um, 
push through the pain because it can lead to very serious injury and this would be the one of the end stage consequences of that yeah i think in school when they talked about it the person actually did have kidney kidney issues so that's a good thing to bring up yeah but again uh having the mentality where you push yourself is good but just knowing that again like kind of what i talked about before with the dose response relationship knowing that these changes have to be sustainable for you and that they take time. So making sure that it's a consistent thing and that it's more long game. Think about future and think about um, making it a lifestyle for yourself. Um, But then next thing we're going to talk about here is knowing the difference between pain and stress. Um, They're both very different things when it comes to pain. Um, You need to be more aware of what's uncomfortable and what gives you pain um, versus stress. Um, Stress can be good um, or stress can be bad. Um, Good stress would be going to the gym, putting a new stress on your body, forces your body to adapt to that stress and you're gonna be getting progress from that. Um, Bad stress would be Joe eats a sandwich at work or let's say you have a fight with your wife or your kids are getting on your nerves or something like that. That would all be classified as bad stress. So then again, there's different kinds of stress, but you have to be aware that stress has a very similar impact on your body. Um, But when we're talking about pain, you're gonna be more so looking at movement patterns, I would say. So if you're doing a movement and it gives you pain, just don't do it as a very general rule. Um, I wouldn't push it and say like, oh, it might just get better. Um, As a professional, um, you can probably, talk to one of us and we are more than happy to help find a different exercise for you um, or if it hurts you you need to be addressing your movements from a larger standpoint and look at it from a from a whole um, usually it's kind of like an indicator on the dashboard in a sense for movement pattern issues that you might be having so then it's a time and it's kind of like a uh, sorry it's a time and it's a opportunity to look at your movements and address any kind of issues from there but yeah so that and then knowing when to stop um, as somebody who has had a handful of injuries over my time of lifting which has probably been about seven or eight years now um, I've learned finally <laughs> finally I say that fin- now. finally yeah knock on wood right I've, I've learned finally that it's important to listen to your body and know when to take a step back um, it, it's hard because you feel like you're working backwards, but you need to get over that hump in a sense and realize that it's for the greater good and taking a step back and sometimes me taking two steps forward. So keep that in mind. If you're feeling like you're uncomfortable or if there's a certain day you're trying to train and it just doesn't feel good at all. Um, I've had, I've definitely had those days where I'll try to start squatting. I'll try to start benching and like, it feels awful. I've actually taken the night off and just try it again the next day and just made sure that like my nutrition's on point, make sure that I got a good sleep and make sure that I'm doing all that I can in my power to make sure that it's better the next day. Um, and I've definitely found that the days that I try it again are usually better. Exactly. And just kind of knowing your own body and um, knowing what the point of too much is, is super important. Yeah, it it takes time and experience, but knowing where your body is in space and time and knowing, being aware of your surroundings and knowing um, that kinesthetic awareness, that proprioception, it takes time, but you can 
definitely perfect that over time and get a handle on it and kind of have an idea of what you need for yourself. Um, and then that body awareness comes over time though. But it, it's, it's, and that's like totally why, um, when you're first starting out, like you might feel, uh, silly doing it, but just doing the, like the barbell movements for bench press or squat or whatever you're learning, that's super important because you got to get the fundamental movements down. So you know how it feels with your body. You can adjust your form and actually get it like down to the science that it is. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, you, you may very well have most people when they start don't have very good body awareness, but uh, it's one of those things that you, like I, like I mentioned before, you just get over time and it just takes years of practice and years of training to know what your body needs in a sense. And even then, like there's lots of things now that I still am learning about my body, like all the time. Right. Well, exactly. It's a, it's always a continuing evolving process. Yeah, of course. But yeah, the last thing I wanted to say was before I handed off to Tanner, um, is that over the time that I've been working out, I've had lots of injuries. Um, but it depends on how you, how you, how you take that. It depends on your outlook. Um, personally at the time, like I was really upset. I was wondering why this was happening to me, you know, kind of that mentality. Um, but I've realized that the injuries and the mistakes and those things that you do all build character and shape who you are. So, um, those essential mistakes are made for growth and you have to have them to get forward in life. So, um, it depends on how you look at it, but I would definitely say that, um, don't be afraid of failure. Exactly. Just try. Have you, have you um, tried trying, that... right? Have you tried trying? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, um, you, and that, I think that ties really well with mental pain. Um, and like without pain, there is no way for us to actually grow. And like, just to specify, because I don't mean pain necessarily more so discomfort. Um, and that is exceeding your comfort zone because you have this little circle where you're comfortable doing things. So if you're, you know, really comfortable, like Bryce is really comfortable doing squats and deadlifts, stuff like that. Uh, a person new to the gym might not even be comfortable being in a gym. So that zone of discomfort around their comfort zone will be just going to the gym at first. And it's going to be too stressful and they'll never do it if they think that they have to start off doing all the heavy weights and everything else. And people who do get over that hump well, injure themselves because you have to slowly expand that comfort zone, but always go just a little bit beyond it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that, that doesn't even just apply to fitness. That's, you know, like everyday life, talk to a person. Uh, I find that a lot of people who aren't necessarily great with, uh, relationship stuff and I'm no by being a guru, I actually suck myself. But one of the things is that to talk to people and it's super common in nursing, for new nursing students is like you have to talk to the patients and the clients and then get that comfort slowly and build it. And by the time you've talked to your hundredth patient, you're actually pretty comfortable talking to most people. Um, and it's just that experience and exposure that actually helps expand that. Um, which yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of went uh, on a side tangent there uh, to the pain, but that's, it's so important for that mental discomfort to expand it. And, but also note that if you're going too far beyond it, that mental pain is very real and that you need to take a step back and kind of reevaluate. Yeah. I think we need to talk about like the differences of like stress and anxiety, right? Cause, 
or being scared and anxiety because just because you're anxious doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing something if you're anxious it means that you care about it which means that you probably should be doing it like a lot of oh, exactly a lot of the things that make you anxious are actually going to challenge you to grow so you should actually be doing them like i i do not think uh and if you do run uh but you will not meet a nursing professional or a healthcare professional that doesn't have a baseline level of anxiety like it's it's not necessarily huge or uh impairing their function as a new grad it might i feel that anxiety sometimes but it's always present because you're worried about, you know, making sure you catch everything and it keeps you sharp. So it's good in that case. And that's the same thing with anything that you're doing new or where unexpected things can happen is just having that anxiety because it keeps you sharp, keeps you focused and actually learning in the situation. Yeah. And the anxiety keeps you safe, right? Yeah, exactly. And like that anxiety, as long as it's not to the point of being a actual point where it's impacting your life like in generalized anxiety or panic disorders um, that's actually where the quote-unquote adversity starts to create growth and adaption over time totally yeah so some of my best memories actually are ones that were initially filled with anxiety or were scary or stressful and i ended up enjoying them especially during and after the fact like cliff jumping or a really cool roller coaster because you get on it and you're actually having a lot of fun, even though it's scary initially when you're looking up at that, you know, 100 foot roller coaster, the mind bender, when you hear the stories about, you know, people dying, you're like, uh, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Totally. And then you do it. It's a lot of fun. Probably still wasn't a good idea, but it was a good memory, you know? Yeah, I'd say the same thing for me. Like, uh, I think it was 2014. So probably the year that we graduated, actually. Well, that's crazy to think about. Um, yeah, a while ago. But I went to Jasper and did the cliff jumping in Horseshoe. And that was, I'd agree with you, that was very, like, initially really scary, right? You look at how high it is and then you're like, holy crap, this is, this is quite the distance. <laughs> but yeah. then once you do it, though, you feel like the anxiety is gone. And then you feel like a huge rush of adrenaline. And it feels cool to be able to accomplish something like that. And I would say it's it's a very similar feeling for anything else like think about a new job or think about finally asking out a girl or a guy that you really like or anything like that like it's all anxious but you know just because it's you're anxious doing it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it exactly like some of the best things in life that you'll ever experience are behind those uh, like you know obstacles that are kind of stressful and anxiety inducing so you have to just you know make that leap over it um and that's I, it's super important you have to welcome discomfort into your homes uh lord and savior discomfort so that you can actually get the hope of personal growth oh absolutely yeah yeah and like you know every experience you've ever had shapes who you are today and the choices that you've made up to this point in your life is it's those small things that small growth that you know turns uh you know, like whoever you look up to, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you know, that first time he picked up a dumbbell was one of the first steps towards being an absolute monster uh, and absolute wrestling legend and now famous A-list actor. Yeah, totally. So, um, and I kind of want to talk more about like the biological parts of the pain now. Um, I actually had a course the other day, part of my hospital orientation with a clinical nurse specialist. Uh, who specializes in pain 
and uh, I won't say her name just in case she's not comfortable with me revealing that. But um, yeah, she had some really good insights for especially surgical patients. Um, they don't, you will never go to the hospital for surgery or anything else like that and experience exactly zero pain. It's unrealistic. It's setting up our clients and patients for failure uh, because they're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a great time in the hospital. You probably won't. Um, but we also want to set those expectations to be like, you won't be in breathing pain. We'll do everything in our ability to try and make this the uh, the best of the work, like a bad time, basically. Hmm. Make a, make a, a rain when the sun shines or something. I don't know. Uh, something like that yeah right? yeah yeah i totally butchered that it's brighter, on the, it's brighter on the other side makes sense yeah exactly uh, so our goal with their care is not to have that pain actually interfere with their everyday activities so if you notice that pain but you still like can continue doing what you would normally do like yeah, do texting on your phone uh able to get up and go to the washroom and everything else and do it within like a reasonable amount of pain that's kind of where we're, our goal is if it starts to interfere with that um you know even if you're able to text still but like it's too painful to get up and like go to the uh, bathroom or you can push through it but it's not something that like if you're having a very good time doing then we might want to say hey maybe we can have uh other pain interventions um in the hospitals we really like to use drugs uh which you know there's some conflicting research about if it's the best or not um and a lot of surgical or trauma patients it's kind of necessary just because it's such a um, traumatic thing uh, but you know we have different things we can actually work through with you to get to the, uh that goal for your pain sure. um and like one of the cool studies she actually brought up was um pain for one person compared to another will also vary so their rating of that pain uh, can too, but like if they both say they're like a seven on the zero to 10 scale, for example, um, in the study, there was people who were opiate experienced and opiate naive, which means one group hadn't really taken much for uh, opiate pain medication. Like they might've had a T3 after a, you know, uh, dental, dental procedure or something. Uh, they'd be considered opiate naive. And then there's other people who, you know, might be using heroin on the streets or have, have a chronic pain condition where they actually prescribed uh, certain uh, medications and opiates. So they did that study uh, and they put their arms into a ice bath. And both people actually, on average, rated the pain as a 7 on the scale of 0 to 10. And what was interesting, though, was that the opiate experience group had to take out their arms almost immediately compared to the other group who were opiate naive, who could actually keep the arm in the water for, you know, up to a couple of minutes. So it says that even though we, they both rated it as a seven, their experience of that seven was super different, um, which is important to know, uh, especially when we're caring for clients, either be it as a personal trainer or uh, if you're a healthcare professional listening and to also have that empathy just as a normal human that, you know, people will all experience pain and this discomfort in different ways and to help meet them where they're at. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting how uh, they both rated it a seven. Yeah. 
I I think that's uh, also cool to uh, say like, hey, if you're ever thinking about the scale of zero to ten, most people say putting your arm into an ice bath uh, and holding it there for a little bit is uh, a seven on the scale. It's uh, interesting because there's I'm reading a book right now, and in the book they're talking about uh, how they went. It was somebody who went around in the book and they asked if people could rate their life on a scale from one to ten, and um, like overall how happy they were and how content they were with the choices they'd made and where they were in their life. And um, most people would say a seven too. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice nice number. It's like not um, good but not bad, right? Yeah, exactly. But what's interesting is that everyone thinks, and it's uh, kind of a bias present for a lot of people, is that they rate that their life is better than average, or that they think they're better than average at least, because like six or seven is technically better than what the average of a five would be. So for sure, uh, I think that's really cool. Because yeah. like, there is a very good chance for a lot of things in life, you are a solid five for just being average. And there's nothing wrong with average either. I want to make that clear. Oh yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's um, just it's just interesting for sure how there's uh how's the kid there's a little bit of a carryover in that sense. Exactly, just that uh, you know, lucky number seven. Keep, write that down, guys. If you take one <laughs> thing away from the episode, number yeah. seven. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing that uh, especially like in healthcare, we can be very judgmental sometimes. We don't mean to. It's just kind of the biases that. Uh, occur and that a lot of uh, good healthcare pr- uh, workers are trying to overcome is uh, this bias and this stigma around alternative medicines and complementary medicines, uh, more so complementary medicines, not so much alternate, um, because you can actually utilize a lot of these complementary medicines, such as acupuncture massage, with Western medicine um, to actually get a better experience for that patient. So you know, like Reiki or um, acupuncture might not have the best empirical evidence from, you know, a peer-reviewed standpoint, but there's also low risk to it. So if the patient or client thinks that it's helping them, hmm. what's the real harm? If it's if they think they're getting something out of it, then I think we should encourage that uh, because we also want to focus on making sure that client is having the best experience they possibly can in a bad situation yeah i I mean they might as well try it if they think that it's helping right exactly and like uh some of it does actually have evidence like meditation um can really help and you know there's actually cases where people can um use meditation to reduce the amount of opiates they need um it's really common in labor and delivery too uh, what do you think the deep breathing is that they teach you in those birthing classes? True. You know, yeah. So it's it's really important to know that we as humans have been dealing with pain for you know hundreds of thousands of years now, and that um, we've had ways of dealing with it that weren't you know just poppy, basically you know refined poppies. So mm-hmm. that there are alternatives that we can use to deal with that physical pain. Yeah, because back then they didn't have medication, obviously, right? So, Yeah, or they had medicinal herbs. Um, that also worked really well, but in different ways um, yeah. and weren't necessarily as um, chemically refined and um, strong as we currently have. Yeah, because so. it's just evolved so much over time. Oh, exactly. And I, 
I do want to know, like, opiates and other pain medications, and we kind of alluded it to uh, it with, like, the uh, rhabdo talk. Um, opiates and other pain medications don't actually address the pain or stop it from happening. It's just masking it. It's basically like, you know, uh, <laughs> you have a huge mess in your house, so you stuff everything in the closet, and it looks clean, but really... It's just that own perception in your brain. It's just blocking those nerve responses. Uh, and like some pain drugs, actually. We don't even really know how it works. Oh my goodness. Ice water just poured on my leg. Nice. Okay. We'll keep going that with that. Good. We'll keep going with that. That's all right. We'll keep yeah. going with that. Um. <laughs> that was cold as fuck, dude. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh so <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave that that's fine <laughs> yeah uh but pain is no you know when well i'll let you uh i'll let you try off for a second um <laughs> when we're talking about uh like like you were saying though masking pain it's like kind of in the sense of putting tape on like the barrel right i think that's a pretty common analogy where if a barrel's full of water and it's, it has a leak somewhere, it has a, a hole in the barrel, but there's water pouring out, I think people typically will just throw layers of tape on it versus trying to figure out what the actual issue is, right? So I think that's an important concept too to address when it comes to, to training um, because a lot of people will do things that feel okay and that make it feel temporarily better, um, such as like band distraction techniques or um, scraping techniques or um, any kind of like some flossing techniques which provide a temper a temporary sense of like relief and um, you feel better for a certain amount of time but end of the day the issues are still there and you have to address them from the core and you have to figure out what the actual issue is and try to fix it from that standpoint right versus trying to find like a quick fix like uh sorry to break everybody's um heart but there's no quick fix to weight loss there's no magic pill. I've been I've been looking, but there, there isn't. <laughs> can't find it. No, it's been um, been eight years and I can't find it. I know it's it's stuff like that. Uh, not to poke any holes in your analogy. Get it? Because there's a hole in the barrel. Yeah, I get it. But I in, get it. Yeah. In the case of the barrel, isn't mm -hmm. the problem just that there's a hole in the barrel? I guess. And like, have you ever seen that flex tape commercial? They deal with it pretty well. You know? Depends on the tape, though. Do you got Gorilla Tape? No, Flex Tape. Flex Tape only. <laughs> flex I, tape. I encourage anyone listening, if they haven't seen it yet, uh, go look up the Flex Tape commercial, and you'll see that this dude has, like, there's a tank of water, and it is spraying out of this hole. And all he does is he, like, takes a piece of Flex Tape, slaps it right fucking onto the tank, and, uh, Away we go. That right there is <laughs> is the uh, is how people deal with stress. Just grab exactly. a big old thing of flex tape and just toss it on there. The broken yeah. barrel, right? Yeah. Oh, and uh, going back to before ice water spilled all over my pants. Um, yeah, I want to just say that if you take one, I actually take one thing away, and this is what the clinical nurse specialist really reinforced was that. Um, Pain is a bio-psycho-social experience. So it is the biological or physiological pain mixed in with your psychological and mental state 
mixed in with your social experience and your uh, determinants of health is what we call it in healthcare. So it is super important to address multiple areas and to really explore it from these multiple angles um, to help these clients and people succeed and not become addicted to opiates or, um, you know, have ineffective coping mechanisms. Um, and remember, like, no person is weak or lesser than another simply because they might have an opiate or other substance addiction. It means that they're humans that they don't have, they're not, one of their needs isn't getting addressed and that we need to help meet them where they are and actually start addressing those needs so that they can slowly take away the uh, substance to actually give them the proper supports they need to make that transition. Yeah, and for like, sure. Yeah. It's just like working out. If you're not ready to, you know, give up smoking, give up alcohol, give up your heroin, give up whatever that we can't force these people to they won't work you're gonna have failure after failure you have to say to them are you ready to start making a change and mm -hmm. if they say no you're not going to make much progress with them yeah yeah i think this comes down to what we discussed in the first episode or maybe the second episode where we talked about the trans model yeah and we talked about like the different phases and then we talked about um, like pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance, and then relapse. I think that kind of ties in very nicely with that too. It there's a very it's very applicable to lots of aspects in your life. So I'd say it's applicable in the sense too. Exactly. Just you know, have some empathy for your fellow human. It goes a long way, and especially if you're working with clients in your job, you're in a profession like personal training or healthcare or Anywhere where you're, uh, you know, public facing uh, people, you can meet just regular old Joes off the street. So, yeah. Yeah. But no, I think uh, it's good to address these issues, right? And teach people that uh, you need to be able to be healthy in in all senses, right? Like kind of like you said, biopsychosocial. So being able to address pain in all three senses will benefit you overall. So usually you just need an outlet too. I feel like most people just need a way to work through their issues. And um, typically people will turn to substance abuse, but if you're able to find another way to work through your issues and to help provide you with some support, then I find it becomes easier over time to cut some of these things that you're doing. Exactly. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this one, hey? That's pretty much it. I uh, don't have anything else to really add. So I want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in for another episode. Yeah, and we hope the water accident just gave you a, a good chuckle. I'm awake now. I'm awake. There uh, you go. Yeah. So that's that's a true benefit right there. <laughs> yeah, guys, I hope you took something from this episode. Um, again, just take the things into consideration for all of the physical pain aspects um, and then all of the mental pain aspects and everything that Tanner mentioned too. Um, they're all important things to consider, um, and they can improve your life in every aspect. Exactly. Thanks for uh, listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Mm -hmm.